thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. So we're going to look at a verse, a few scriptures, and the only thing I have for notes are the scriptures. So y'all pray God will, will give to me what he wants me to say. We've looked at this passage this month, but God just was flooding my spirit with this passage as I was praying in preparation to uh, come and teach tonight. So listen to the word of the Lord from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. I want to talk to you tonight from a Bible study titled, Live the Word. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for your word. God, I pray as we look at your scripture tonight that you would be our teacher. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this ministry, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in this city. God, for ministries all across the world that are lifting up your name, God, that are ministering and sharing your love, we give you praise, God. Lord, we ask you, God, to bless our children's church tonight, our youth, and glorify yourself in here tonight. Through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Been looking at 1 Peter this month. Been reading 1 Peter a lot this month. Um, I'm going to sit down and, and read 1 Peter tonight again in its entirety. It doesn't really take that long um, before I close my eyes as I prepare to jump on the book of Matthew tomorrow. And I encourage you, get into Matthew. It is outstanding. It, it will teach you the life of Christ. The Gospels will teach you about Christ. The, the stuff between the Gospels and Revelation will, will teach you about church and about God and uh, about how you should live. Uh, the book of the Revelation will teach you about what's coming. But the Gospels, and Matthew is a highly detailed gospel, will teach you about Jesus Christ. And I think that you ought to constantly be referring back to one of the Gospels in your study of the Word of God. So I'm excited to be in the book of Matthew starting tomorrow. I've actually been peeking it out a little bit this past week, um, and I know some of you have as well, so I'm glad that we have a church of people who read the Bible. I've had people tell me that they'd been in church for years and never had a pastor tell them you're supposed to read the Bible every day. Isn't that right, Deacon Jim? I've had people tell me they were leaders at their other church, they were at the top of the food chain at their other church and were never told they were supposed to have a daily time with God. And they were supposed to read the Bible every day and say their prayers, that they were supposed to pay their tithes and give offerings. I don't know what other churches are teaching, but we only got one book to teach. And we're going to teach out of these verses from 1 Peter chapter 3 tonight. I'm just going to read them, cause them to make sense. In verse 8, the scripture says, finally, comma. What are you supposed to do on a comma? You got to pause you got to pay attention to the punctuation. When it says finally, you should stop and think and wonder, okay, well, what does that mean? 
Well, in preacher speak, that means I said all that to say this. In literary speak, it says I'm wrapping up, I'm giving you some of the last things I'm going to say to you, and some of it says save the best for last. It's saying this is not something you need to gloss over. This is something that you need to hear. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, period. That's the whole thing. That's the complete sentence. That's his finally statement. He, he's opening up with a new pericope here. If you have a good study Bible, your Bible, and I've taught this for years. I don't think I've shared it with you guys lately. But a good study Bible breaks the word down into pericopes. A pericope spelled like pericope, but pronounced pericope, kind of like pneumonia. is spelled like what? Pneumonia, but pronounced pneumonia. The, a pericope is a section of literature that stands on its own. It's what we would call, if you were writing a letter, you would write your letter in what? Paragraphs. Well, if you have a good study Bible, it breaks the sections of your Bible down in pericopes. If you don't have a Bible that does that, get a different one. My Bible breaks it down in 1 Peter chapter 3. It starts a new pericope. It has a subtitle, a subheading for it. Uh, from verses, It groups verses 8 and verses 12 together. That's an entire pericope. Anybody have a Bible that does that? Anybody got so Okay, you got that in your Bible. You need to have that in your Bible so you can understand. This is a, a congruent thought process. These verses are grouped together. These verses flow together contextually. And it would be better for you to spend 30 minutes studying one pericope in the Bible than to spend an hour reading three chapters and just glossing through it. This is a complete pericope. We're going to look at these verses from 8 to 12. And it starts with verse 8 saying, all of you should be of one mind. Well, 1 Peter is a book written to the church. And it's telling people that are Christians, you should all be of one mind. Now, why would God tell us we should all be of one mind? Because we're not. Because we're ignorant. We're stubborn. We're prideful. We want our way. The ultimate display of immaturity is wanting your own way. And this is why some people cannot coexist in community. This is why some people can't stay in church. Because in church, you get exposed. Y'all that have been around a while, y'all know when I say that I got issues and I ain't all the way there, you like, he's telling the truth. Other people just assume, you know, maybe he's being funny. You know, may, may, maybe he just heard somebody else say that. But this is why pastors transfer churches every 18 to 36 months on the average. Because if you stick around long enough, people start to figure you out. See, folk hide their cigarette smoking when they first come to church. Then once they figure out everybody hasn't seen me and smelled it on me, they, you know, smoke on the way to the door. They're like, or they get shamed and they leave. People hide their closet alcoholism. And instead of throwing the beer can out in the church parking lot, they throw it in their back seat. People hide all these different things, but if you stick around church long enough, guess what? Folk are going to find out about your junk, and they're going to realize that you have problems. Well, mature people say, you know what? I do have problems, 
You got problems too, and we're going to work through it. Babies take their ball and go play somewhere else. So God says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Do you know that ain't easy? Especially when you take black people and white people. And where, where Keon ran out, I dare left with him. Oh, yeah, there was. Hallelujah. What are you claiming, ethnicity? Well, I know you're a Persian princess. You're not Asian. Port- Puerto Rican? Okay, well, that ain't no big class. You can't check Persian on no box. All right. Anyway, I'm going to tell you what they used to call you in the 70s before you were born. There were only three boxes on government forms. There were no African Americans. That's exactly. Not just other. Other than. Uh, black, white, and other than. How do I know? Because hateful people didn't call people other. They called them OTs. You were OT back then. Now, now you just, you know, hallelujah. Be a Christian. Be, be us. Be we. Find your identity in Christ, not in some racial group that this world says you are. Most kids in this church that are white can't even spell Caucasian. Fact. And my children who are, you know, not all the way ignorant, couldn't tell you what Caucasian means. Because I ain't sure I know. Caucasoid. Of Caucasoid back. I don't know what Caucasoid background is. Okay, so you let everybody classify you by some ethnic group that they made up, that they try to group you and mash you together in, when the Bible wants us to mass ourselves together under Christ. Okay, so when you're searching for identity, if you're rich and you only want to be around rich people because your identity is, well, I'm part of the upper crust. If your identity is being, being middle class, then, then you're going to miss out on so much of what the Bible has for you because, honestly, the Bible is an us and them book. It's an us and them book. It's a we and they. It's, an, it, it, it's, it's a saints and sinners. It's an elect versus the non-elect. Now, not as far as being against each other, but as far as teaching who can really receive this. Because the Bible says that unsaved people can't understand the Scripture. The Bible says they can't learn it. It's foolishness to them. So when the Bible says, all of you, <laughs> now you know uh, a real, real militant mindset. Who are you calling you? <laughs> who, who are you calling they? You talking about me? Yes, I'm talking about you. All of you. We should be glad to be part of you. So young, old, red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, Baptist, Methodist, charismatic, Pentecostal, church of God, church of God by faith, church of God uh, in Christ, just by the side of the road, Christians are all part of one group. And the Bible says all of that group should be of one mind. I'm going to tell you something. In the natural, that is not even possible. Okay, Not even possible, not even remotely possible in the natural, but the scripture has declared to us, with God, all things are what? Okay, so we got to learn how to lean on God to live the word. Because you can't live this out in the natural. You can't live this out in the natural. I know Florida fans who will not let people park their car in their driveway with Georgia Bulldog gear on their car. 
won't do it. I know Christian denominational people who don't believe people outside their denomination are truly born again. Okay? So even inside folk claiming Jesus, without actively leaning on God, it is not possible for all of us to be of one mind. Because, I mean, football season's starting back up, and, and some of y'all just going to pull for a team that's going to be lucky to win three games. And every day, every Sunday, you're going to believe, this is our week. This is our week. Jacksonville, this is our week. And then at the end, you're going to be sad. Or glad. And somebody else is going to be mad. Somebody else is going to be sad. Somebody's team's going to win. Somebody's team's going to lose. That's why it's so funny to me when Christians signal out one certain athlete and like, but God is for him. Well, God ain't for the Christians on the other team. <laughs> Let me keep moving. One mind. Say one mind. It's not easy. We got different backgrounds. We got different mindsets. We got different favorites. We got different things that we like that we don't like. But we have been commanded to be of one mind. That does not mean that we have to agree on everything. What it means is we have to believe the same thing about God. Because this book is writing to us about God. Are you of one mind about God? Do you believe that God is real? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God? If you do, then you're all right. You're part of us. If you don't believe that, you're part of them. And you need to become us. Let me keep moving. It says sympathize with everybody on the outside. No, that's not what it says. It says sympathize with each other. If we're part of a group, if we're part of a brotherhood, if we're part of a Christian family, if we are one body, one church, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, if we are we, then we ought to be able to be sympathetic with we. Now, I can remember when my wife was dying of cancer. Ten years ago, she passed. There was a time when so many people were coming into the hospital room that they had to shut down all visitors. Let's say that's it. Well, you can't have people just coming in and out. Hundreds of people coming every day. Uh, two, three hundred people coming some days. And they finally said, you know, every time someone new comes in, she has to sit up and put on the dog and, and try to entertain them and use her energy to try to be, you know, up for everybody. And, but people were coming and coming in crying, weeping, wanting to pray, wanting to share scripture, being sympathetic. There were other people passing in the hallways, looking in the door, wondering what's all that commotion about. And they didn't care about who was in that room. Why? Because they wasn't us. They wasn't we. They weren't each other. They weren't part of what we were doing. But if you're going to be in the Lord's church, you need to get an us mindset. You need to get a we mindset. You need to get a that's my church mindset. Because everybody in the scripture had a church. It was the saints at the church of Galatia. It was the saints at the church of Philippi. It was the saints at the church of Corinth. And we need to have an each other mindset. I know that you can't sympathize with everybody around the world. But you ought to be able to sympathize with the people that you say you're in covenant relationship with. You ought to sympathize. You ought, you ought to be concerned about what other people in the body of Christ are concerned about. Because the Bible says we ought to rejoice together. We ought to weep together. The Bible says we ought to sympathize with each other. When you are having a train wreck of a day, like I've had today, you need to remind yourself other people probably had a bad day too. Somebody else might be pressing their way to church. 
Somebody else might be, might be coming when it'd be easier to stay at home. Somebody else, hey, I'm going to tell you all the God's honest truth. If Elder Robin wasn't in Ohio tonight, Elder Robin would be teaching tonight. You say, Pastor, why do you say stuff like that? Because it's true. Well, why do you just give it on him when you don't feel like coming? You tell us to come. Listen, if I'm not here, I can't be here. God, God strengthened me to be here tonight to teach this word to you, and I want you to receive it. Are you ready to receive it? Let's hear the word of the Lord. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Man, if I get my kids to understand this, I'm going to be all right. Anybody, anybody feel, any, anybody ever, you, you know your kids love each other, I hope? They ever act like they don't love each other? You want to strangle them, don't you? Or is that just me? Me and Alyssa. The rest of y'all are going to heaven. <laughs> when, as a parent, you see your children that you know are brothers and sisters, not loving each other, that ought to, that ought to twist you. That ought to make you want to tell them you better love them. You don't have to be as dramatic as me. I tell mine. I told him on the ride in. When he's dead and gone, you can wish you were nicer to him. Now, I'm not recommending that. That was bad teaching on my part, and I've already repented to them of that. But I bet you when one of them dead and gone, another one's going to wish they were nicer. Why, why do you say that, Pastor? Because I've stood over so many bodies. And I've counseled so many people after losing a loved one, and in their grief and in their pain, they tell me, you know, me and my brother were at odds when he died. And I hate that. Me and my mom hadn't spoken in years when she passed, and I just, I just, you, do you realize you can't, you, you can't push past, you, you can't change it then. Can't change it then. You better love who you got. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Sometimes it ain't easy to, to, to love your natural family, much less your spiritual family. But God ain't telling us to do what's easy. He's telling us to do what's right. Love each other as brothers and sisters. And then he tells us how. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Do you know if you keep a humble attitude, no one on the planet can fight with you? You keep a humble attitude, no one on the planet can fight with you. If you ask my sister, who's known me longer than anybody on the planet, including my mother, because my mother ain't known me as long, but hasn't known me as well. If you ask my sister, who knows me better than anybody, you ever seen Pastor Scott argue with anybody? She would say, yeah, stick around. <laughs> Confront him, and he will stand up for the truth. She knows I don't enjoy arguing. It eats me up. And I repent, and I'm the first one to go and, and, and seek reconciliation on the other side of it. But if I feel like I need to stand up for truth, I'm just, I just say no punk. And, and I'm going to stand my ground, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. So if you ask my sister, you ever seen Pascal argue with somebody? She, she would say, of, of course. If you ask my sister, you ever see Pastor Scott in 12 years he was gay argue with her? Never, no, not one time. Ask her, she's shaking her head, no, now. Never, not one time. You know why? Too humble. I can tell you biblically, you can't argue with humble people. You can't argue with, with, with somebody who won't argue with you. I remember Elder Dave. We had Elder Dave here 10, 11, 12 years. I don't know how long he was here. I mean, it had to be 10, 12 years, somewhere in that time frame. I had less arguments, less conflict with David Brabham in a decade than I had with every other staff member in the first 12 months. Seriously. 
of all the people that ever worked at Abundant Life, other than my sister, we ain't always been rosy, but we make it work because we love each other. But I had less conflict with David Brabham than anybody. You ever see me and Dave go at it? You ever see me and him just throw down? Never, not one time. You know why, dude? Humble wouldn't. Just wouldn't. You can't fight with humble. So here's a lesson. Be the bigger man. Be the bigger woman. Be the Christian in the group. The Bible says be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. The Bible says only by pride comes conflict. And that takes pride on both sides. So here's the good news. I know if you're arguing with me, I ain't the only proud one in the bunch. Hallelujah. Well, I love that song. I'm not easy to live with. I know that it's true. What? You're no picnic either, baby. That's one of the things I love about you. No, you're both ignorant. No, you're both proud. No, you both got work to do. I've heard people say, well, she just always thinks she's right. You arguing with her, you think you're right too. Y'all don't want to help tonight. I'm going to keep moving. Be humble. Keep a humble attitude. This is how you show sympathy. This is how you love each other. And if you know you're wired up like a raging bull, tell people in your, in, in your midst. I tell people, Deacon Jimmy, Deacon Jimmy been here over a decade. Never had a fight with this man. Never had an argument with this man. We ever going at it, thrown at it? We're, never. Because anytime he saw me getting twisted, anytime he saw me getting wound up, he chose to be a soft landing for me. And I thank God for that. And I respect you and I appreciate you for that. If you know you're the leatherneck in the relationship, ask somebody to be a soft spot to land. Because if two bulls get in their china shop at the same time, guess what? That's a whole lot of wreckage. Somebody better be the pillow. Be humble. Take that on as a Christian virtue. Verse 9 says, don't repay evil for evil. <laughs> I lived so much of my life under uh, a premise that I was convinced made me right and other people wrong. And there's a lot of people who have this mindset. And I've told this to my mother. I told this to people I told this to teachers. I told this to guidance counselors. I told this to people who I have had to apologize to. I didn't start it. I didn't start it. They started it. They, and, and in my mind, because of faulty programming and ignorance, I thought, well, they started it, so that justifies me finishing it. But that's not Christianity. That's just, that's just you know, country stupid 101. Because the Bible says don't repay evil for evil. They started it, you do what? In the world, you finish it. But the Bible says if, if they hit you, you're supposed to what? Turn the other cheek. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. And this just such so easy to do. And it's just, God, didn't God just make it easy to be a Christian? No. God made it so hard to be a Christian... That he has made it to where we have to depend on him or fail. That's the option. Depend on him or fail. 
beg for his mercy or fail. Fall on the mercy of the judge of the universe or fail. Call out for his hope or fail. That's all there is because there ain't nobody so awesome <laughs> that, that you just insult them, be evil to them, and, you know, dog them out, and they just repay you with a blessing outside of Christ. Because we're all humans first. We're humans before we're Christians. We've been alive longer than we've been saved. So I want you to realize that if you're good at this, it's because of God's grace in your life. If you struggle with this, it's because you're a human being. But you can have God's help in your life. Instead, pay them back. with That's not normal. Somebody, somebody does you evil. Somebody does you dirty. Somebody does something wrong, insults you to bless them. Here's, here's what even most of the best Christians do in the world. Bless them with a smart aleck attitude. <laughs> Tell them about yourself. Some, somebody dog you out and say, because I'm a Christian, I'm going to let that go. God loves you. And, and smart mouth, bless them back. That, that ain't real. That, that, I mean, if that's the best you can do, hallelujah. Amen? It's better than the alternative. But let's, let's seek to get to where we're living the word. That's what God has called you to do, comma. That's enough, but there's more. And he will bless you for it. He will bless you for it. I want you to get that. He will bless you for it. What happens when you're nice to ignorant people? God will bless you for it. What happens when, you, when you're nice to people who are being mean to you? God will bless you for it. What happens when you don't insult back when someone's insulting you? God will bless you for it. If I went around the room right now and I started with Lauren and I went all the way back to Nick and I asked everybody before church started, do you want God to bless you? Everybody who doesn't need medication would say yes. This is how you get it. This is how you get it. You live out verse 8 and verse 9, and God will bless you. For God cannot lie. You must believe the written word over your feelings and over your emotions, over your dreams, over your visions, over prophecies that people gave to you, over stuff that they said God told them. Jesus said everything's going to pass away, but the word will not pass away. God said that he's exalted his word above his name. There's nothing more true than the written word of God. And God said he will bless you. Not that he might, that he could, but he will bless you for it. reason why some people aren't blessed, because every time somebody rises up on you, you rise back. Because when they start it, you finish it. I want us to learn how to live the word. I want to learn how to live the word. I want to be who God has called me to be. I've never said anything, but I'm in my process. And I'm, I'm striving just like you, pressing my way to learn this book and to do what God has called me to do. Verse 10 says, for the scriptures say, comma. What? Okay, so in a comma, you have to pause and figure out why is that relevant? What does, what, what's special about that? What, 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 what's big about that? What, so somebody tell me, some Bible genius tell me, it says, for the scriptures say. What, what, what's special about that? It's, it, it, this ain't Johnny Jackleg saying it. This ain't Bubba Next Fish Market telling you this. This is what the scripture is saying. 
Now, I understand it's got a comma because there's quotations offsetting it. It's, it's about to give a quotation, and grammatically it falls like that. But you need to understand that there is a higher level of importance on what the Scripture says than on what the pastor says. And we struggle with that in America and around the world because we are all at some level Catholic. I ain't never been Catholic pastor in my whole family, Church of God in Christ. We cogent till we die. You're Catholic influenced. This whole world is Catholic influenced because there was a point in time in the Holy Crusades when they killed everybody who wasn't a Catholic. And the whole world was forced to be Catholic. And all religion has Catholic influence on it. What does that mean? Well, the Catholics teach that papal authority is equivalent with the written word of God. And if the Pope decrees it, then it's as valuable as what God says. And that is filtered down between the clergy and the laity. And people have somehow figured, well, if pastor said it, it must be true. If the scripture says it, it's true. The Pope don't have authority over the Bible. The pastor don't have authority over the Bible. Bubba Jack, prophetess, ain't, ain't got authority over the Bible. The scriptures say. That's how you know somebody's telling you the truth. I had somebody criticize me in an email one time and said, you, why do you always say the Bible says? You, you set everything up with what the Bible says. I said, because that's what I'm here to preach. I'm not here. That's not a criticism to me. That, that's a plus. You hear somebody say the Bible says, you know they're telling you the truth. This is what Peter is telling people 2,000 years ago. The scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. If you want to enjoy life, now if I went around the room and said, how many people want to enjoy life? Before I started, you would have said yes. See many happy days, you got to do two things. You got to keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Why would God tell Christian folk they, they, they should keep their mouth from lying? Because they do. Why would God have to tell Christian people not to say evil stuff? Because they do. Now, I'll be honest with you. I have good days and bad days, ups and downs, just like every other real human being in the world. And there are days in my life Suicide runs in my family. And thank God I ain't prone to kill myself. I, I mean, I, I, I'm too much my mother's child. I told my mother she'd never die. She's too mean to die. And she, she don't want to give people to, she, she just don't She just don't want to make her haters happy. Okay? So my mom's going to live forever just to make her haters mad. Okay? Now, I'm too much my mom's child to, to yield to this. this uh, got, up, got suicide in our family, don't we? Got depression in our family. If there are plenty of days where somebody said, Pastor Scott, do you want to live to be 90? If I be honest, I don't want to live to be 54. I'm 53. Some days I don't want to live to be 53 plus one more day. I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Anybody ever feel that way? I'm just ready to be done. Let the Lord come rescue me and finish it off. People are like, but don't you want to see your children? Sometimes I want to see my kids grow up and have great lives. Sometimes I'm just ready. Jesus, come on, let's be done. I ain't got one more breath in me for none of this. So if somebody said, Pastor Scott, do you want to enjoy life? I do. If somebody said, do you want to see many happy days? Sometimes I'd be honest. I'd be like, I've seen enough happy days. Let's go to heaven today. It ain't just me. Me and you, Joyce, we're the only ones in this whole I appreciate you being here tonight. We're the only ones in the whole room. Uh, but the flip side here is not offered do you want to see happy days or do you want the Lord to take you home today? 
Because anybody with a brain want the Lord to take them home today. The flip side is, do you want to see happy days or unhappy days? Okay, well, if that's the option, give me happy. Okay? Even in my worst time, I'd rather see happy days than bad days. Well, how, how do I get there? Well, i got to turn away. i, I, I got to keep my tongue from speaking evil. And i got to keep my lips from telling lies. And so does everybody else who claim to be a Christian. Verse 11 says, turn away from evil and do good. Period. That's a whole sentence all by itself. Turn away from evil and do good. You ought to have this figured out by now, especially if you've been here more more than a month. You ought to be able to answer all the questions. I give easy tests. I give easy questions because I want you to learn. I'm repetitive because people learn through repetition. I'm going to let you show how smart you are. People say, Pastor, it's hard for me to read the Bible because it's so hard to understand. I just don't get as much out of it as I want to get out of it. Let me show you how smart you are when it comes to understanding and reading the Bible. Why would God have to tell Christian people to turn away from evil? Because they do evil. See how smart you are? You ready to teach Bible. You, well, the Bible says, you know, be careful about that, but that's a different subject for a different time. Turn away from evil and do good. You know what you need to tell yourself every 18 seconds throughout the day? Turn away from evil and do good. Turn away from evil and do good. You want to write something on your mirror? You want to put a three-by-five card on, on, on your refrigerator? You want to put something on the visor in your car? Put that right up there. Turn away from evil and do good. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't do evil. Yeah, you do. You just don't call it evil. God says if you've broken one law, you're guilty of breaking all of them. Turn away from evil and do good. See, the key to being obedient to God is not making a one-time confession. It's not about walking an aisle, praying a prayer, and getting saved, and that's that. It's a wrap. It's not about rededicating your life and getting filled with the Holy Ghost in 1986. It's about focusing your life on obeying God and every second of the day refocusing on that same thing. I got to do good. 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 They're cussing me out. I got to do good. They're bothering me. I got to do good. They're insulting me. I got to do good. They're lying on me. I got to do good. They're they're creating hardship on me. I got to bless them. I got to turn away from evil and do good. Now, some of y'all were raised in normal families. Dean, Dean and I didn't have that. Some of y'all were raised with mothers and fathers that loved you and taught you great as children, and you didn't have any bumps in the road, and it's just easy for you just to smooth through society. I don't really know if there's anybody in this room like that because we don't really gather that crowd too heavy. But if you did, you ought to set up a memorial to mama and daddy for raising you so right and training you so well. And you ought to thank God for life being easy on you, because most people life been hard on. Most people have to throw themselves on God's mercy and ask for help to do these things. And you need to ask God to help you. Lord, help me do good. Help me do good. Jesus told his disciples, that's what you need to pray. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from evil. Help me to do right. This needs to be your constant prayer. Help me to do right, God. With my mouth, help me to do right. With how I treat people, help me, God. Turn away from evil and do good. See, that's why I love when I have those moments when, when I really feel God tell me it's okay to pat yourself on the back, son. Take a bow. It's, I love those moments when, when I have a, a real smile on my face and I know I'm saved for real. 
Because I, when, when somebody does something and I know it could have went a whole different way, but not that I sassed them and not that I did it gritting my teeth, but because I really just felt the peace of God overcome me and I responded with the grace and the mercy of the Lord. Don't, don't, don't you just know that if you wasn't saved, it could go a different way? If you ain't lived through that, you need to keep living because that's an awesome experience to know God is in me of a truth because I was able to turn away from evil and do good and it wasn't hard because the Bible says that when you're walking in Christ, it's not hard to do what he says. That's how you know when you're struggling in your flesh versus walking in Christ. Because doing good while gritting your teeth ain't walking with Christ. That's religion. Doing good and feeling good about it and thanking God for mercy, that's a whole different level. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Search for peace, comma. <laughs> search for peace, comma. What do you have to do on a, on a comma? You got to pause. What do we got to search for? Why do Christians have to search for peace? Because it's hard to find. You don't have to search for something that's right there. Somebody, if I find my pen, we ain't leaving here until I find my pen, all the good-hearted Christians in the room would start looking on a chair. If I had it tucked behind my ear, you'd be like, look at that fool. How many of y'all ever search for your glasses? They was on your head. <laughs> okay, well, that wasn't much of a search. But you didn't know where they were at the time. When you have to search for something, it's because you can't readily lay your hands on it at all times. And God says you need to search for peace. You need to make that your mission. You need to make that your mission. Search for peace. Be on the look. Evil's too easy to find. The Bible tells us, everybody knows Matthew 6, 33. We're going to learn that in September. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The next verse, verse 34, is just as powerful and should be just as memorized. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What's that saying? Don't study tomorrow. There's enough, there's enough going on today. Put your focus on today. Tomorrow going to have its own set of challenges. You worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Put God first today. Seek for peace today. Now. We live in a right now religion. That's why Jesus told his disciples, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. You need this day. You need peace for this day. You need blessing for this day. You need mercy for this day. Too many people living on what they used to be in Christ. They used to do when they served God. How they used to feel. Trying to get back to where they were. You need a right now, this day, religion. And work to maintain it. If it was easy, it wouldn't be work. And if you had to maintain it, if you didn't have to maintain it, it'd take care of itself. But it doesn't. You realize as long as you live, you're going to have to go through things. This whole perfect world people are looking for. Ain't happening until Jesus comes back. You're going to have people bothering you. Listen, go ahead and set it down on your calendar. Somebody's going to bother you tomorrow. Well, maybe not. Maybe you just live in a bubble. Easy in a bubble, ain't it, Dina? Somebody, hey, somebody's going to bother me tomorrow. Somebody's going to insult me tomorrow. I already know that. question is, will I return blessing 
Or will I go the other way? These are real choices that we have to make as Christians. Verse 12, last verse. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. The eyes of the Lord watch over who? Those who what? Okay. Now, are there more people doing right or wrong? Wrong, the Bible says. But there is somebody that's doing right. Because the Bible says God is watching them. His eyes wouldn't be watching them if they weren't there. Somebody is doing right. Let it be you. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. This should be encouragement to you. This should be enough motivation to you to say, if other people can do right, I can do right. And I want God's eyes on me. God's eyes are watching over those who do right. You can be of those. You can be one of those. No matter what your personality is, no matter what your proclivity is, no, no matter what your disposition is, no matter if, if you're introverted, extroverted, ambiverted, not even a real word. If you want to do right, you can do right. And the promise is that God's eyes will be over you. Listen to what it says. And his ears are open to their prayers. Pastor, I don't know if my prayers matter. Probably don't. Pastor, I don't know if God hears my prayers. Probably don't. Pastor, I'm not sure if my prayers get any higher than the ceiling. Probably ain't. Why? Because God's ears are open to their prayers. What does that mean? If his ears are open to the prayers of those that do right, what does that mean? We, we I talk to y'all constantly about the principle of inference. If God's word says that his ears are open to the prayers of people who do right, what does that infer? He ain't listening to the resident fools. At all. You don't believe God hears everybody's prayers? I do not. The Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you when you pray. Read the Bible. His ears are open to those who do right. Does that mean we have to be perfect? No, he's a father. You ought to know your kids came from you. They ain't all the way there. They got a lot of you in them. Got to give them some grace. You, when you say, I'm proud of my kids, they did right. You don't mean they're the perfect kid. If you think that, you need medication. But you make assessment over your child whether they're doing right or doing wrong. It's not about being perfect. It's about having a heart that wants to do right for your father. These are the people whose God, uh, he's got his eyes on them and his ears are open to their prayers. And listen, last phrase. You've got to take the Bible line by line, sentence by sentence, verse by verse, phrase by phrase to understand it. Put it together like a puzzle. Rightly divide the word of truth, the Bible says. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, here's a verse you might want to run past everybody who don't know the Bible well. Because here's what everybody that doesn't know the Bible well will tell you. God hates the sin but loves the what? That ain't what Scripture says. The Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. Folks say God hates the sin but loves the sinner. The Bible doesn't say that at all. God loves, hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Okay, now, what's, what's the scripture say? But the Lord turns his face against the evil that bad people do. 
Or does it say the Lord turns his face against those who do evil? Is he turning his face against their evil or is he turning his face against them? He's turning his face against them. See, that don't flow with God loves, loves to, uh, hates to sin but loves the sinner. Now, I'm thankful that God loves us in our sin. Amen? I'm thankful for God's grace and for God's mercy. But don't live no soft, weak theology thinking God just excusing everything. Don't, don't live no soft, weak theology just thinking, well, you know, God, they're, they're covered under God's grace. Put Psalm 5-5 five, five up there and I'll be done. Four minutes late. But we'll put this up there just because I, I, I went off on this last little bit that I wasn't planning on, but I believe it's the word of the Lord. Psalm 5-5. Five, five. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Now you read that verse and you tell me where you got a principle that said God hates the sin but loves the sinner. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hates all the iniquity that workers do. That's not what it says. Thou, what, does, he, does he hate the sin or hate the one who does the sin according to the scripture? It's hard for y'all to even look at it. Truth to truth what? Anyhow. You say, well, what, 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 what does this mean to us? Well, see, we don't know who's on God's side and who's not. So we got to love everybody. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows who's on God's side. What did Jesus tell a whole group of people? I won't even pray for you because I know the hearts of all men. And you're not of my sheep. I pray for those that follow me. But you're of your father, the devil. See, we don't know who's on God's side and who's on the devil's side. But God does. John the Baptist did. What did John the Baptist tell people? Some people came to him to get baptized. What did he do? He baptized them. Some people came to John the Baptist. What did he tell them? I ain't baptizing you because your heart's evil. He said, come back when you're ready to be legit. Read the scripture. I want to make sure that I'm on the Lord's side. I don't want the wrath of God abiding on me. I don't want God's wrath on me. The foolish should not stand in his sight. He hates the workers of iniquity. Don't quit the church because I told you the truth. You say, Pastor, does that mean that God hates my son who's out there doing wicked? No, I believe God loves your son and gives your son an opportunity to repent. But I believe that if your son waves his fist in God's face until his last breath, then he's going to experience what hate feels like. Because the same God of just love is a God of justice. And the same God who prepared a heaven prepared a hell. And 53% of people surveyed in 2015 that go to church don't believe in hell and think that hell is what you live through on earth right now. Listen, baddest day you have ain't weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It ain't fire and brimstone and outer darkness and separation. What am I saying? Make sure you're on the Lord's side. Make sure that you're on the Lord's side. There are too many people fooling themselves, thinking because they know something about God that they're on the Lord's side. The Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. I don't want God to be angry with me. I want God 
to have his ears open to my prayer. And you need to want God to have his ears open to your prayer. You ought to want God to pour his love and his grace and his mercy out on you. How do you get it? The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. I've had people tell me, I don't care if God sends me to the hottest part of hell. I'll party with my friends. Don't take God wrong. Don't, 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 don't tread on God. Don't stomp on the mercy of God. Now you say, Pastor, what does this mean for people who aren't living right now? I believe as long as they have breath, they have opportunity. I shared with somebody recently about a, a, lost, a, a, a loved one who passed. They weren't sure about their confession. Listen, I believe this with all my heart. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I believe that there are people whose families never knew of their conversion. Because I believe that there are people within their last seconds of life that called out on Jesus after living dirt their whole life. Mom and them thought that baby boy didn't love Jesus and died and went to hell. They don't know. Baby boy called out to God with his last second of breath. And the grace and the mercy of God did for baby boy the same thing Jesus did for the thief on the cross. He said, I got you. That's why you need to be praying. As long as your children have breath in their body, they can still come to the Lord. As long as your mom and daddy have breath in their body, they can still come to the Lord. And here's what I believe, and I don't soft pedal this to say that everybody's in heaven. But I believe this. I've shared this with my sister about my own father. My own father claimed a false religion while he was living. But I believe he had plenty of opportunity because we prayed for him and shared the gospel with him. That, that he, he may well be in heaven right now rejoicing with God, having called on Jesus because he knew the name of Jesus and he knew who God was. You need to hold that faith out for every person that you care about. But if you want God to hear your prayers, you got to do right. Because his ears are open to those who do right. So it goes back to what Spike said, do the right thing. That's the choice that you have when you leave here tonight. Will you do the right thing? That's the choice you have when you get in your room tonight and you decide, do I want to say my prayers or do I want to do something else? That's the choice you'll have when you get up in the morning. Do I want to read my scripture or do I want to catch up later? Do you want to do right? God promised he'll bless you if you do right. I want to do right. I don't always do right. I want God to hear my prayers. I, I want God to bless me. I want God to bless my children. I want God to bless the people I care about. Being a pastor don't gain me a pass. I got to do right. And I know it ain't always easy for me. And I've been studying this book for a long time. I've read more of this book than any human being I know. Tell him I said so. That's a fact. I know the amount of time I've spent in this book. And it ain't easy for me. I get paid to sit in my office at home and study. And it ain't easy for me. I can keep myself in a bubble of prayer according to Acts chapter 6 all I have to do is shut myself in a room and give myself to prayer and study of God's word and that's my job 
but it still ain't easy to do right. But that's the choice that we make. And that's the, from the beginning. Choose you this day who you will serve. That's the choice from the beginning. I set before you a choice, a blessing or a curse. I don't want nothing to do with any piece of Psalm 5-5. For me or anybody I care about, I don't want that. I want God's mercy and I want God's grace and I want him to hear me when I pray. And if you want that, it's as easy as doing right. I know you already believe in God, but there's a requirement that you got to do right. Pray with me. Lord, help us to do right. Help us to choose right. Help us to care more about you than we care about anything else. Help us to put you first. Help us to say yes to your will and yes to your way. Help us to say yes to your word. Help us to live out your word. Help us to be the people that reflect your goodness. Help us to be the people that walk in your word so that the world would know that you are the true and living God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, God. Thank you for each person who's here tonight. Help us, God, to make good choices. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.